Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and right across from me, as always, is my BFF, Charles Chuck Lawrence, Charlie Thompson. How's it going today, man? Oh, I love Mondays. It's a beautiful day. What a great, fantastic day for Liberty. Every day is a day for Liberty. And I'm also excited that, you know, we didn't have any confusion at the opening here because I decided to take... I. Humility. You stepped back. Humility is yeah. part of who I am. Yeah. I am the most humble one I know of. You're the most humble so person I've ever met. I was like, I don't need to do the intro and have my voice heard first. I'll, I'll just be better later on. That that and that then, makes a greater impact. And then you also call me your BFF again. So it's it's a good Monday and we got a great interview coming up today, too, so I'm excited about today. Yeah, we'll be talking to the Libertarian Party's presidential nominee, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Very excited to have a presidential nominee on here. We have been Libertarians for quite some time. Not always big L Libertarians, not always members of the Libertarian Party. You guys know that. But... It is a great honor to be able to have a presidential nominee on the podcast. I, I couldn't be more excited about it. When you look at the when you look at the options out there, how do you not take a step back and say, maybe, maybe it's time to think that we could do something better. Maybe it's time to change our ways just a little bit. 2020 has been the year that libertarians have just been proven right on darn new, darn near everything. Yeah, there's a great, a great tweet by Zuby that said, "If you haven't become more libertarian in the last five or last three months, then uh, there's no chance for you." I mean, there's never been a greater moment for the Libertarian Party. I don't, I don't think with with everything that's going on, you get the lockdowns, you get the police brutality, you you get all these protests going on. We have the the financial problems that we're having everywhere, and guys, the answer is actually libertarianism and what's that what that means you know what we talk about every single day on this podcast is life liberty and the pursuit of meaning that is what we talk about every single day of the week when we want to so subscribe to the podcast by the way i'll go ahead and throw that in there hit that subscribe smash that subscribe button real quick or hit follow whatever app it is that you're using but what we talk about every single day is it all runs along the lines of a very basic very simple principle and it's, it's tough to boil things down to something really simple sometimes, but this really can be boiled down pretty simple. You own yourself. That, that, that's really the principle, guys. That, that's the principle that we use to talk about everything. If you own yourself, then what laws would be able to come out of that? What regulations would be able to come out of that? It's pretty simple. Most of the laws and regulations that we have, well, they would need to be done away with because a lot of the laws and regulations we have do not go along the lines of the principle that we all own ourselves. They go along the principle that other people own other people and that if you can get the majority to agree on the ownership of the other people in whatever way it is, well, then that's the direction that we need to go. And that's simply something that we just do not agree with. So I think it's time... I think it's time, if people have not considered it before, to be looking at libertarianism. Maybe you're not going to join the party. Maybe you disagree with some of the things that they're doing, as I've talked about a lot, for sure. Maybe you disagree with some of the things that the Libertarian Party does. But the philosophy, the ideology in general, I think it's time that people consider 
maybe some self-ownership. Maybe we're not going to put these perfect and virtuous and amazing angels in place in our government that are just going to run and micromanage our lives for us on a daily basis to, in the way that millions of people are all going to see fit. Maybe, maybe it's time that people have a chance to run their own lives. So I'm really excited to be talking about that with her today. Yeah, me too. And we got other good interviews coming up too. We we got Spike next week. Yeah. So Dr. Joe this week, Spike next week, all kinds of libertarian people. Yeah. It's, I, I did hear um, the interview with Lions Liberty that she did that was released this morning. It was good a good interview with them. And they asked her about uh, Scott Horton and she's not, she's neither confirming or denying right now about Scott Horning, Scott Horton actually joining her team. She did say though, he has reached out and has offered some advice and stuff like that. But I hope, I hope that he does join the team. She even said like, man, like you're so good. Why don't you run for president? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. We, uh, hopefully we can talk, reach out to him and get him on the show as well. So lots of good things to look forward to. And, you know, one of the questions I have coming up for Joe too, like there's never, it seems like every four years that there's never been a better time mm-hmm. for a libertarian to be running. And I think it's really important that we get the message across in a, a logical and rational way Yeah, that can actually speak to people. And so it's, I think it's important. And, and so far, Everything I see of Dr. Jorgensen, I like a lot. Yeah, and one of the things I'm, we're going to be asking about it has to do with the speech that we gave at Young Americans for Liberty when we were up in Detroit, which has to do with a little bit of psychology, uh, which is right up her alley for sure. Mm-hmm. So w- we gave a speech that had to do a little bit with psychology. And one thing that I think libertarians, if you guys are listening right now, listen, the way that you think the way that you think is not how most people think at all. And I think it's time that we consider maybe a different way of getting our point across because most people think emotions first and rationality and logic way down the road, way afterwards. Now, I'm not saying that we compromise on our principles, but the argument that we make is a is a very emotional argument. You're, you're talking about economics. You're talking about healthcare. You're talking about all the things that go on on a daily basis that affect people's lives that literally can, I mean, can cause depression, can cause deaths. If you go along the wrong policy lines, this is an emotional argument. The, the reason that people have been out there protesting is an emotional argument. The reason that we talk about the, the COVID lockdowns and how against those we are is an emotional argument. And so without compromising on our principles, I think it's important that we find the best way to construct this argument in a way that can speak to people where they are and in a way that they can actually uh, listen to the message. That's not just going to be done with a bunch of statistics and and a bunch of numbers and a bunch of things like that. Now, it's also the, not going to be done with just hating on it's not. things. So, no. you know, I was responding to somebody last night on Instagram. It was like, man, the libertarian message is so hard because all they – do is complain about my freedom. Yeah. And I'm like, well, partially that's true. And, and it's because a lot of things are so infuriating. There's a lot to complain about right, right now. There's so much to yeah. complain about. And it's infuriating to see, I don't know, to watch your, let's say to watch your brethren go down the tubes when we have the solution, like yeah. we have the ideas that work. And we only, we know that because of history, like the freer that people can be, 
the more prosperous and the better off they are. It's like, look at the experiments we've done around the world. You know, America's the greatest country. Why? It was built on a foundation, on a principle, principled foundation that all men and women, you know, the thing are yeah. created equal. <laughs> That's the foundational thing that we're all created equal. And then we have certain inalienable rights and those are life, liberty, property, happiness. He said happiness, but yeah. really the pursuit of meaning because it's not guaranteed that you're going to be happy in this life. But those fundamental principles, it's the greatest experiment known to mankind. We've seen more wealth generated in the last hundred years than we have in the entire human existence. It's unbelievable. One thing I've always tried to get across to people is that the the good part is, is that we don't have to defend this message, really. Like, you have you have one group of people who is saying that they should be able to control your health care, they should be able to control housing, your children's education, whether or not you can even go anywhere in public, whether or not you can open a business, all of these different things that they should be sending people to war, that they should be pulling you over for not using a, the right turn signal or what you have this group of people that says there should be a, that they should have control over every single bit of your life. And then you have another group of people who says, I just want to be left alone. In the, and I'm not going to hurt anyone. I'm not going to take anyone's stuff. And I just want to live my life. And I want to create value for people. And if they deem those things to be valuable, I'd like to exchange valuable items within, be it money or, or whatever it is. I just want to be left alone. And so we don't have to defend that message. It's always been crazy to me that we're on the defense for saying that we don't want to we don't want to have people controlling us that we want to be left alone to live freely as individuals how do i have to make the case for that why do i need to build a case for you not controlling every part of my life that's always been a really crazy argument to me like i don't need to defend this i'm either i'm a free individual i'm a human being that was born free with liberty and all of these rights or i'm not and if I was born with all of those rights, then I don't need to defend why I should have those rights. And so I think it's time to stop being on the defense about this. If you want to control every single part of every single person's lives, you need to defend that crazy stance that you somehow are going to be able to organize society in the best fashion and that whoever comes after you is going to do a perfect job at it too. You need to be on the defense and make the case for why that's the best way to do it. Because you've not made the case so far. You've only made the case for how much more right I am about my stance. That's all we've seen. Yeah, we're seeing it play out in real life. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it play out in other countries. And, and now it's the chickens are coming home to roost, so to speak, in, in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah. And I really, I, I don't know. I mean, do we have to go further down this road? I, you know, as much as I am going to probably support the Libertarian Party candidate this year, and so far, I don't see anything that would stop me from voting for Dr. Joe Jorgensen. So that's probably where my vote's going to go. I still think Trump's probably going to win because um, we're not there yet. Maybe maybe it'll be a big splash. I, I hope so. But I still think Trump's going to win. And that's going to play into our next conversation here, by the way, what we're going to talk about here for a little bit. Uh, you do want to go into this one story, right? Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah, we can go into that. So we'll do this one story. Um, so there, there's a tie in I want. Uh, I just made a comment on my Facebook post, so we'll get into that. But first, you guys need to subscribe to this daggone podcast. Dag nabbits. <laughs> sick and tired of coming on this show every single day and asking you guys to subscribe. 
but I'm going to keep doing it because it works. And uh, if you guys hit that subscribe button, you'll be part of the lucky 92% who have hit that subscribe button. They've smashed that thing, like Nate says. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't be part of the hate percenters. Don't do it. Don't be part of those haters. (laughs) You don't want to be in that. And then, um, of course, you guys, most of y'all listening are not going to be uh, asking any questions. We did take a few fan questions from Patreon and Twitter and some other places, but those people in the live group are able to interact with us live. They're going to hear our interview with Dr. Joe live and you want to be a part of that. So go to patreon.com slash good morning Liberty for as little as five bucks a month. You get all kinds of free content for as little as five bucks a month. And so sign up, be part of the in crowd that gets to hear all this live and ask questions and be part of the good stuff. Yeah. There's no reason not to. So the, the, the day has come for you to go ahead and join up on Patreon today. For sure. Yeah. Today. Today's the day. So obviously a lot of crazy stuff going on. We if see, you're against death, if you're against death and you're going to join us on Patreon. Should, yeah. Yeah. So it, for those that listen that don't sign up, you're obviously pro clearly death. pro death, pro death yeah. for sure. So uh, listen, we've got all this crazy stuff going on. Uh, we all we all know we got protests, we got riots, we got looting going all around the world right now. By the way, this this has oh, yeah. gone worldwide. This is everywhere, like prestige and prestige worldwide. Only worldwide. with protest protests worldwide, worldwide is what's happening. Worldwide, worldwide. And what I would like to do is talk about some actual solutions because what people seem to think is the solution is that we eradicate racism. And I'm sorry to tell you. That's not really going to be the answer. You're not going to be able to change people who feel this way. There are obviously people who are racist. And then I think there is a much deeper issue that's not really being talked about enough right now. And it really goes along the economic lines. I've tweeted a couple times. We've got an economics problem that is disguised as a race problem right now. And it's coming out in the, you know, maybe the most poverty stricken side of our economy right now. And people are upset, but I really think that we're dealing with an economics problem. And one of the other problems I think we're dealing with that we've talked about a bunch is the drug war. Now, listen, we're against drugs. We're against the use of drugs. I do not condone anyone using any drugs. If we did decriminalize all drugs, I don't recommend that anyone goes out and starts doing any drugs. But we have to consider the negative effects that have came out of the drug war so far. And I saw this interesting story from Newsweek over the weekend. It says Mexico wants to decriminalize all drugs and negotiate with the U.S. to do the same. Mexico's president released a new plan last week that called for radical reform to the nation's drug laws and negotiating with the United States to take similar steps. The plan put forward by the administration of President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador often often referred by his initials, which I am glad, AMLO, calls for decriminalizing illegal drugs and transferring funding for combating illicit substances to pay for treatment programs instead. It points to the failure of the decades-long international war on drugs and calls for negotiating with the international community, and specifically the U.S., to ensure the new strategy's success. The war on drugs has escalated the public health problem posed by currently banned substances to a public safety crisis. The policy proposal, which came as a part of AMLO's National Development Plan for 2019 and 2024. Mexico's current prohibitionist strategy is unsustainable, it argued. Okay, so you guys know where we stand on this. Like I said, drugs are bad, okay? 
We're not just a couple libertarians out here talking about how people should do drugs. But this has very real consequences. When we talk about police reform, we talk about defunding the police, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. We talk about all these things. You have to realize how much time is spent chasing down people because of drug use. And I really think, I truly think that this is the number one thing that can be done. While I don't agree with everyone going around just being high all the time, I really do think that if you decreased the police presence in trying to enforce drug laws, trying to enforce decisions that free-thinking individuals are making for their own lives, trying to you know stop people from doing that, I really think that you could decrease the amount of police violence that we have. And then if you want to get into defunding the police and things like that, well, wouldn't that be a lot easier? if we were to decriminalize most of the drugs, because that's what they spend most of their time on. You could naturally defund the police if you decriminalize most drugs. It wouldn't even have to be a movement to defund the police because you wouldn't need half of the police that we have out there right now. I was looking at some statistics on this. This is the boring statistics part of this. And then we'll get to what I just posted. 45% of inmates... In the U.S., by the way, this is from the Bureau of Prisons statistics, 45% are in for drug crimes. 45%. Almost half, basically. Almost half of the people in the prison are in, are in prison for drug crimes. So when you break that down by race and ethnicity, as far as the percentage of the U.S. population, white people make up about 64% is what this is saying, and 39% of the prison population are white. So obviously lower population distribution uh hispanic 16 percent of the population 19 percent of the people incarcerated and then you go to black which is 13 percent of the population makes up 40 percent of the prison population now when you look at a certain race or ethnicity making up 40 percent of the prison population and seeing that 45 percent of the prison population are in for drug crimes i really think that we've got a a much deeper problem that is not simply defund the police. We've got so many people that are locked in cages right now because they had a plant on them or they were trying to sell someone else a plant. And to me, that's, it's disgusting. You've got generations of people who have grown up without their fathers or their mothers because those people were in prison. And that, to me, it's still just one of the first things that you could tackle. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to solve all the problems, but when you look at these, what really is a statistical outlier, I'm sorry to say it, what is a statistical outlier, which is a police officer killing someone, that is that is a statistical outlier for interactions with police. Sorry. Um, if you decrease most of the instances for why those police officers are patting someone down or searching their car or exercising a no-knock warrant or something like that. If you decrease that, you take away this drug war, I really think you're going to decrease most of the outliers, honestly, most of them. So this this is my main thing that I really want to see people go towards. And it's not because we're pro-drugs. It's, it's because we're we're pro-liberty and free-thinking individuals can make decisions for themselves, even if those are bad decisions. Now, if you do something bad and you hurt someone else, that's going to be a crime. That's violence against someone that's going to be prosecuted. People would say, well, people are just out driving around high all the time. Well, then same thing that happens if you get in a drunk driving accident or if you're texting and, and you hurt someone or 
if you just get in an accident and you harm someone and it was your fault. Like, you can't take away all the bad decisions that people are free to make in their lives. Because I think we're seeing a really big negative consequence from that right now. I really think this is the biggest part of the problem. So, Charlie, what you said you're commenting back and forth on something right now. What's well, going on? Well, so I made a post on my Facebook that uh, I... I I said, I want all my family and friends. Well, because this, this is a response to Mexico wants to decriminalize all drugs and negotiate with the U.S. to do the same. Now, Trump is, as I mentioned before, more than likely probably still going to win. I may eat my words on that. <laughs> I really hope it's Dr. Joe Jorgensen, uh, somebody for liberty. Uh, but I don't think Biden can get past his senileism at, at some point and, he's going to have to start going out and talking more right. and that's really going to kill it and if him. you watch like the view yeah. oh, oh man, my gosh that's so bad Ugh. he just well, well you see you know and i said for a long yeah, time that's so terrible but 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 if you but if you uh, look at it from the yeah. side of uh you know well if they feel that way i'm sorry about that but you know listen well, I, and i've I, said listen i've said for a long time i started like he oh, just kept gosh. these like it was like a broken record. It was so terrible. Like, did you not know what they were going to ask you about? Like, come on. Watch. So I don't think Biden is going to be able to get past that. I think Trump probably still wins. And so Trump is a good negotiator and Trump will do things like this. For instance, think about North, uh, North Korea, right? He basically deescalated that situation and he was willing to negotiate, talk to Kim and stuff like that. Trump is known for doing some libertarian things, especially if he gets his name in the record books. And this is something that definitely would. So I made a comment because my prediction is, is that Trump might actually pursue this if he's reelected. And I said, I want all my family and friends to go ahead and comment if they are against decriminalizing all drugs before Trump starts to support decriminalization. Go ahead, comment below, because obviously, you know, Ron Paul in 2008 and 12 was talking about decriminalization. There was like, all, oh, all the way back as far as you can find. Right. He was talking about that. Oh, he's a he's a kook and. These libertarians are just crazy. And now all of a sudden, if it becomes mainstream and then Trump, if Trump supports it, you'll see all these conservatives. Yeah, this is a failed drug war. It's been, it's been failing for so long. Why has nobody been talking about this? Trump is the only person that can save us. I can't believe blah, blah, blah. You know, so I just want everybody to go ahead and out themselves right now before Trump starts supporting decriminalization so that we can yeah. know who the sheep are because what you've seen is that a lot of people who support Trump are not standing on principles for most no. of these things. They're standing on, don't. they're standing on, I love Trump and that's what they stand on and whatever it is that he's for. Because at one point in time, you couldn't say a negative word about George W. Bush. You couldn't say a single oh. negative thing about him. You couldn't talk about the, the failed wars in the middle East. You couldn't talk about any of that stuff. You can't talk negatively about Colin Powell or you can't, can't do any <laughs> of that. And now that Trump's out there, hating on those folks well i mean you know they're hating on him and he's hating on them back well of course those are terrible people just failed wars and war criminals and all this stuff it's all things that republicans would have never would have never been saying if it wasn't trump that was out there saying it colin so, powell so that's a good <laughs> so that's a good point that it's good <laughs> it's good to get some people on record right now because i i do see him I do see him as someone who would do that, actually. Yeah. I don't know that I that he would do it before the election. I don't think he would. But um hey, who who knows? Who knows? I'm not really sure. So we're gonna be ask, asking Dr. Jorgensen a bunch of good questions about this. Uh, like we said, her time is fairly limited today. Uh, we'll see how far we can go. Um, but we will be asking about the Libertarian Party's response to 
all of the protests, the looting, the rioting, and what some of the actual solutions are. I know she's been a proponent of ending the qualified immunity. Um, I know that there was just a bill put up today, actually, I think, to ban no-knock raids uh, by the Democrats, to ban no-knock raids when it came to drug crimes. Okay, so, you know, it's a start. It's a it's I'll, a start. I'll take that. You know, so so that's fine. Um, Got Amash and uh, what's her name from Massachusetts, a uh, Democrat who came together on, they came together on uh, the, the qualified immunity bill. Yeah, yeah. Ending that. So we got to talk, you know, there's civil asset forfeiture. You know, all these reasons that police officers, it's like they come up with reasons to search you. It's to like go a, through it's your like car, a fifty billion dollar industry down. or something yeah. like that. I mean, there's all these reasons that they come up with, and what I want to do is, other than just saying we need to end racism, because okay, I I I agree with you. Let's end racism, but let's assume that we can't just control how a certain percentage of the population thinks. What can we do on a policy standpoint to actually decrease all of these instances? So I really think that. That's something we're going to have to tackle. All right. So I told you all we have a very special guest today, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. She is a Libertarian Party presidential nominee. She is a senior lecturer of psychology at Clemson University. She holds a Ph.D. in industrial and organizational psychology. She also is a business owner. She started her own software sales business. Uh, she also was a partner in another business, and she started a uh, client uh, consulting business as well, business consulting. So a very, very pro-liberty person. She's been involved in the movement for a very, very long time and was a former vice presidential uh, candidate in 1996. And so welcome welcome to the show, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Thanks for being here. Oh, so glad to be here talking with you. Thanks. Okay, so we've got you know, we've got a bit of a unique situation uh, that when we when we scheduled this interview, the world was a lot different than it is right now. Uh, th- <laughs> things are things are changing. This is this is not a situation that uh, we really planned on talking about. But there were less buildings on fire. There, I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good conversation to be to be having. Now, what we really hope is that we can bring about some good change from from everything that's happening right now. So, what I really wanted to know, and I think what a lot of our listeners want to know, is what would the libertarian response be? Like, what would a libertarian president offer? on the cause of Black Lives Matter and everything that we're seeing in these protests right now? Well, first, would you mind if I talked about the pro- uh, the uh, looters and rioters rather than the protesters and yeah, talk about see what led up to that? Because I always try to make the distinction between the protesters and the rioters. Uh, protesters have an absolute right to be out there and let their voice be heard. And I think in this case, when people talk about the protesters, a lot of times they lump the rioters in as though they're the same people. And often that's not the case. And in fact, I don't know if you've seen some of the same clips I have over the past uh, week or two, which is that um, there have been protesters angry at (laughs) the rioters saying, hey, you're not helping us. We didn't ask you to do that. So uh, we do have the right to protest. But I think um, and, you know, and, and another problem that we had is that it ramped up so quickly. And part of that, again, stemming from the federal government, is the fact that they've militarized police forces. And the question I ask people is, okay, if your little town asks you 
to uh, have your taxes raised so you could buy a military tank or, or some other paramilitary equipment, would you agree to that? And most people would say no, that they'd rather have their money going into a new school, school building or the roads or something. But what we had was the federal government taking our money, buying this equipment, and then offering it back to police departments along with, hey, here's some more free money and we'll give you free training. And then um, <clears throat> next thing we know, we've got uh, police forces who are acting more like the military than a police force. And keep in mind, the police, policing and uh, crime are local level, are local issues, assault, burglary robbery all of those are local issues that should be dealt with locally and not handed uh, not handled at the federal level that's good the, the distinction too i think is really good between the protesters and the rioters with and that kind of leads to the next question so what are your thoughts on defunding the police that's a, that's a kind of a new well not really a new thing but i see it quite a bit happening out there what's the thoughts on defunding the police well once again that's a local issue and we'll see how it works out. I think that, and, and here's another problem that the, the government did, not only giving these police forces all of this equipment and giving them the idea that they should be soldiers and not police people, is that um, the government is, the federal government has been stepping in too quickly. So unless anybody's rights are being egregiously violated, I think the federal government needs to step, you know, not get involved. So, of course, when George Wallace stands on the front steps of the school and says, I'm not going to allow blacks into the school, of course, the federal government needs to intervene. But something like this, um, you know, as president, I would say, OK, we'll just let them handle it unless things get so far that they're asking for my help. Because too much, you know, this just illustrates how federal government and government at all levels has just gotten too big and is far too intrusive in going into each other's worlds. Yeah. And you've talked a lot about accountability and what I've said on this show is like, you know, back in the day you elected a sheriff and then you had some deputies and <laughs> then, then if the, you didn't like what they were doing, you would vote the sheriff out of office, which you, we still have sheriffs and deputies nowadays, but there's been such an egregious growth of a police force, just, you know, running around, hunting down people, you know, of course we've talked about a lot of solutions, but that accountability factor too, you don't have that over even local police. Really. You have more accountability over it, like a sheriff, somebody that you can elect to actually run the police operations. Yeah. And you make an excellent point there with accountability and that gets back to the paramilitary equipment. When the federal government says, Hey, do you want this free? Who's going to turn it down, especially because you're thinking, well, our tax dollars paid for it already. We don't want them giving this equipment to other police departments, so we'll take it. I wouldn't even turn it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll exactly. take a tank. <laughs> I'll take a tank. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's no accountability as, as far as how taxpayers' money is being spent. But at the local level, you do have accountability, and you have people being able to say, okay, we don't like this sheriff. Let's vote them out of office. You can't say, well, we don't like the entire federal government with all the Congress people and all the lobbyists and the special interests. Let's vote them out next time. Instead, we're like, yes, please, we'll take free stuff. Well, 
I, I think that that all sounds really good. I, I was going to ask one more thing about the Libertarian Party before we move on from this. Um, there's been a lot of people that have been pretty critical about the Libertarian Party's response to the riots and the looting. And I'm, I'm really glad that you started off by making that distinction because because there is okay. definitely a difference between people are there to protest a, a an, an amazing rightful cause. And then th- there are people that maybe are taking advantage of the situation there's been a lot of yeah. people that have been critical of the Libertarian Party's response over this, and I'll be completely candid with you. I've been one of them over over the last week that I I didn't see the uh, specifically. Uh, it, it seemed more like an attitude of well, it's riots and looting because the government did something bad, so therefore we can't really condemn it uh, because people are upset about something that okay. the government did that was bad. And would you want to set me straight on that and, and let me know that I've definitely got the wrong, the wrong idea on that? Well, keep in mind, uh, although I am trying to run a campaign that works very closely with national, uh, and this is so that we have growth in the movement, we do issue our own press releases. And I believe that my campaign did condemn the looters. And what we encourage is that what, what law enforcement needs to do is to zero in on the rioters and the looters and take care of them as criminals because they are criminals. Now, I'm not sure what the um, National Party sent out, so I can't speak to what they sent out. But what people in my campaign have suggested doing is maybe attaching cameras to uh, drones to see who the specific looters are and get those people in jail. And I do realize that, you know, some libertarians have uh, concerns about drones in general, and so do I. I don't like that they're overseas, that we've got them in the Middle East that were even involved. But for something like this, I think having that camera showing us who the actual criminals are, we need to take care of the criminals so that we can have peaceful protests. And I've referred to them as basically hijacking opportunists. They, they're only there because there's already something going on and they're hijacking it to their self-interest. Yeah, they need to focus on the criminals not pushing over 75-year-old I agree. men. And I think we've got a bad cycle going on here because now we do have the riots and the looting. And I think the protesters yep. are being becoming victims because of what the riots and the looting, uh, the looters are doing. And so you've got exactly. kind of a terrible cycle here. But the surveillance, I think, is a good idea. And that could even be done on, on the a, border. An, an, individ, no, an individual <laughs> business level. Yeah. Let's hold off on that yeah. for one second. Um, and, no, and, I mean, and let me just say, I, I hate to use the surveillance. I'm talking about pinpointing, you know, just like you might send, you know, just like uh, there might be a call. Oh, there's a general disturbance. You know, uh, uh, a burglar was seen running from the house. And so people come in with their flashlights and look. So I'm just saying not general surveillance, but just very pinpoint. Oh, here's a problem. Let's go. Let's go nab the guy. We kind of said, like, treat police like firefighters. So they get a call and they say, hey, there's a burglary happening. This one, you could send a drone to look at that situation and and something like that. I I get that idea. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a very good uh, nonviolent in the way that we're not punishing people who are out there trying to protest something, which is also a. A good, a good movement at the same time. We're not removing people's First Amendment rights right. while we're out there trying to punish um, other criminals out there. So uh, as far as, you know, things that we could do to actually solve this problem, we've talked a lot about the qualified immunity, about the drug war, about, mm-hmm. um, you know, civil asset forfeiture. Do you have anything uh, along those lines that could actually help solve this this problem we have? 
Well, may I address the cause again? And and this still goes back to the cause of the protest because you're absolutely right with the drug laws. Um, I assume you've mentioned no-knock laws yes, in your absolutely. podcast? Yes. Okay, yeah. absolutely. So let me just give a different spin because what I want to do is not, of course, repeat what you've been saying, but maybe give a different, um, you know, just in another dimension. So how did this all start? And I would say that we have had institutionalized racism in the government because we didn't have the free market. What happened after uh, the slaves were freed was the slaves went around. They were excellent craftsmen because, of course, they were the ones doing all the work. And so they went around, offered their services for a lower price, which is what you do when you go into business. That's what I did when I started a company. I offered better prices so people would come to me. So what the whites did is instead of saying, oh, gosh, how can we compete? I guess we have to lower our prices, too. No, they were in control of the government. And they said, okay, we'll just use the government to create laws to make it so they couldn't compete. And then we get Jim Crow laws. And the other thing I'd like to mention with, uh, you know, being inherent in the government system is a lot of people have mentioned how Rosa Parks is a hero. And I would suggest that, yes, she is a hero. But what a lot, oh, and for those of you who don't know, she's the one, she is a black woman who was ordered to sit on the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that was a government-run, government-owned bus. So if you look at the free market, um, you know, let's bring it to present day with Uber. It turns out that 70% 70 of the black ridership were black. Imagine if you're Uber and you discriminate against 70% of your ridership. You would go out of business as well you should. But once again, the government can discriminate and get away with it. Again, no accountability. That's a very, it's, very important. It, it lacks the proper incentive structure. With the, the, the structure just isn't there inside of the government, unfortunately. And the free market has that. I, I love that. I, I love that idea for sure. Um, so... Going on from this, I've heard you talk a little bit about the COVID lockdowns. You know, what what are your thoughts on that? We're still deal we're still dealing with that, um, although on a really weird, I would call it, it's very strange to see people talking about uh, anti uh, anti lockdown protests and obviously being okay with these protests. We should really be okay with all of the protests, um, but but where are you at as far as what we did to our country, which was forcing forty million people out of work? I mean, it's kind of egregious, isn't it? Oh, the most egregious, uh, you know, this is the biggest injustice I have seen, really. It's the biggest assault on our liberty in my lifetime. And yes, tens of millions of people are out of work, uh, and many of them won't get their jobs back. And we could have we handled it so differently. And one thing I'd like to mention is, again, and, and first let me mention when people ask me why I'm running for president, I say it's because government is too big, too bossy, too nosy, and they often hurt the very people they're trying to help. So let's look at the FDA. Um, FDA, good intentions. Let's make sure drugs are safe and that they work, right? The problem is, since they added the efficacy requirements in 1962, now you have to go through so much testing that it's almost prohibitive to bring out new medication. And that's what happened with the testing kits. We had over 60 companies in America uh, 
who were, uh, um, I'm sorry, who were trying to come, you know, go to the market with their testing kit so we know who had the virus and who didn't. Well, the FDA only approved two out of the 60, over 60. And many of these other kits went to other countries. And a lot of us heard about Singapore and how they were doing such a great job, or no, South Korea, I'm sorry, how they were doing such a um, good job with testing. Well, they were using American test kits that we couldn't even use in our own country. So what Bush should have done was through Emergency Powers Act uh, should have lifted that requirement so that we can get testing kits out. And if we got the testing kits out, we would have known who had the virus and who didn't. And um, we could have then not shut down the entire economy. And can I mention one other thing that Trump did? He said uh, at the time that we thought that 60 to 80% of the people who had the uh, virus had absolutely no symptoms, Trump sat there in a press conference and said, okay, you should only get tested if you have symptoms. If you don't have any symptoms, no need to get tested. Well, that meant that all these people were walking around having the virus, not knowing it, spreading it to other people. I mean, everybody should have gotten tested, especially since so many people had no or minimal symptoms. And what we found from that is that the the mortality rate for the virus is actually much lower than was originally thought. And that's simply for that reason, that there are a lot of people walking around with the virus that didn't know it. And so here we have these these reports about how, I mean, the virus is deadly. We got to take it seriously. But it's also important to have the accurate information out there. And, and with without having the accurate testing out there, we never really had the accurate information on what the actual mortality rate was. So it, it really right. sent us in a, in a terrible direction. Yes, and I've had, I've had some hospital interviewers ask me, well, shouldn't we go by science? Well, I am a scientist, and I can tell you that in science, we never use the word prove because we never know. We, we never know if we have the answer or not because there's always more evidence coming in. Yeah, and the very nature of science is that it's never settled. <laughs> so, exactly. so people who say settled science, it just blows my you, mind. You never have all the data. You, <laughs> right. You never have all of it. You know, I so. told people from the very beginning, I was like, pay attention to what's going, what's happening. Like, you know, Nate and I took it seriously. Uh, my, my girlfriend is an ER nurse, and so she's coming into contact with it all the time. So he worked from home. <laughs> And we did the podcast, you know, uh, uh, online. I and haven't stuff seen like that. my mom since February. Right. She's, so we took it yeah. seriously. But at the same time, we told everybody, like, look, pay attention to what's what's happening and watch. Just watch the government just strip away your rights. I will say the only positive out of the whole thing was we did get rid of a lot of regulations. <laughs> That's one <laughs> thing I would say Trump has actually been good on, although I, they've passed a lot more. I think it's, we've shined a light on a lot of the dangerous regulations right. out there. So, so that's one good thing for liberty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and by the way, my biggest complaint about, well, yeah, many complaints about Trump, but right. I, I, I will admit that, yes, he got rid of regulations, but until we reduce the size of government with regards to money, we're never going to get it under control. And he said that he would get rid of the deficit, and instead our deficit keeps growing. At, at the largest rate ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I want to, I know we're running out of time here, so I want to kind of shift uh, to the, to the campaign and, you know, 2016 was a, was a massive year. We had Trump versus Clinton, two awful candidates, and uh, we had Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. They got 4 million votes. And, um, you know, I was, 
you know, Nate's actually a Libertarian Party member. I'm not yet. I'm still on the line. I'm teetering here. I, I can definitely say I agree with uh, the people in our live group. We're, we're ready to cast a vote. And everything that I've uh, read and seen from you and obviously talking to you, I'm I'm definitely leaning towards uh, voting for Dr. Joe Jorgensen. But um, what? how do you capitalize on another great opportunity? I mean, 2020, we've got, you know, two old, rich white men that are over 70 <laughs> years old. One's half senile one has authoritarian tendencies that spins just as much as everybody else although he's done i will say he's done a few decent things but overall still they're both terrible how do we capitalize on the 2020 opportunity where people you know we have 40 50 million americans that are looking for something that their people are fed up with the government overreach and they're fed up with all these things and they're looking for that person to lead them in another direction how do we capitalize on that well, I think we can, too. And a lot of people said that 2016 was a good year. And it was because both uh, candidates weren't popular. But here's the thing. Trump was attracting people who had either never voted or hadn't voted in 20 years because they were just so fed up with government. And that's why all the polls were wrong. Well, now that he's been in office, I'm hoping that those same people who were looking for something different and didn't get it will now look at the Libertarian Party. Because if you think about it, if somebody like Trump, who's an outsider to politics, who does not have 40 years of political favors to, to return, if he comes in and even he can't make government smaller, then that should just send the message to everybody that we are not going to get that from the Republicans. That if you wanted something different and you were looking at it from Trump, well, now that you're registered to vote and now that you've recently voted, um, Try it again, and this time let's go for something that is completely different and and what you want. So I know that the you know the debates are tough to get into. What I wanted to do was real quick, since we only have a couple minutes here, I'm going to get your debate response to this. Okay, so you're on the stage with Joe okay. Biden and Donald Trump, and Joe Biden says, "If you don't vote for me, you ain't black." All right, what's your response to that? <laughs> oh wait, 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 no, wait. Joe Biden says that, or the moderator. I'm sorry. Joe, say that Joe again. Biden <laughs> says that at the oh. end of the at the end of his statement. If people don't vote for him, then they ain't black. Well, I guess since I'm in the South, I would just say, "Well, bless your heart." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a good one. And then my other one: uh, President Trump says that libertarianism is crazy, and he's the most likely candidate to restore the rights to the people. What would you have to say back to that? I would say that true craziness is thinking that the government can solve everything and thinking that uh, giving somebody the reins to the presidency to make government smaller and makes it bigger, uh, that that is what's crazy. That basically having, you know, following a president who lied to you and voting for the same thing, even though you want something different, that's true craziness. That is. I think Ron Paul answered questions like that, too, although he was a Republican is still heavily libertarian. So he answered some. Oh, but he's yeah. No, he's he's definitely small L libertarian. And all you had to do is look at the voting record. It was it was really enjoyable to see the tallies uh, where it would be like four hundred twenty two to one or four hundred twenty one yeah. to two. And you always knew that that one person was Ron Paul. So. Right. Uh, I know we got the final minute here, so uh, give me two things on your way out here. The first one is uh, we're going to interview Spike next week, but I know you you took some heat from NPR, I guess, a little bit. I, I, I listened to that interview from last week. 
um, or a couple of days ago. I can't remember, but uh, you took a little bit of heat about Spike and, and his kind of stance. So kind of give me the the um, the president, vice president, what your stance is together as a team now that Spike is on your team. How is that going to go? And then obviously uh, tell everyone where they can go donate and support and all of that. Well, the platform is the same platform I've been all along because I was the one who won the presidential nomination. And my platform has always been bring the troops home, health care, and the environment. And so those are the ones that we're focusing on. And if you're interested in health care and bringing the troops home, please go to my website, which is joj2020.com. Again, joj2020.com. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, Libertarian presidential nominee. And uh, we thank you so much for your time. And we hope that you, uh, we hope, wish you great success. Well, I appreciate that. Great being here. Thanks. Thank you. All right. I saw some of the comments there in the live here, but looks like you guys all like that pretty much. We didn't get through all of our questions that we wanted to get through. We started a few minutes late and uh, I know as I read some of the comments. Sam, <laughs> Sam, he's got a guy on mine. No, Let it, me sounds, tell you. it sounds like she uh, she went over the live group at least. And, and I, I enjoyed her responses on everything. I was glad that she started off. You know, the very first thing that she addressed was the looters and rioters. And the protesters. I mean, we didn't even have to ask about it. That was the oh, first right. thing she came out talking said, about. Can I separate these? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's good. Um, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to follow her. You guys know that um, I'm I'm not a member of the party anymore, but I will say, as of right now, that she's got my vote. She she does. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you. Yeah. The, I I really hope she's able to get on the debate stage or something. You know, I really hope that that you know a voice of reason. Yeah, could be present, and she's a very, very sharp lady. As, um, as Sam said, he said, "I do like this lady. She's smoother than a warm butter on a cathead biscuit." <laughs> I hope that that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, I really hope it is. No, she is smooth. She's smart. <laughs> she's smooth. She has great answers. Yeah, she's prepared. Uh, you can tell that this lady has got it all. And so, why not the first woman to be president? Be a libertarian. I mean, why I, not? I thought that we were upset that there weren't any women candidates for president anymore. You know, everybody's I mean, mad about yeah. it. Well, there actually is. <laughs> there we go. Her name is Dr. Joe Jorgensen. We didn't get to talk about health care, which would have been really good. Austin said, you guys know anybody around here interested in health care? Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, we have a healthcare business. If we get some more time to talk about that yeah. sometime, we we definitely will. So I don't I'd know, tell man. her, well, she's running for president. You know, I can I could take over some of her clients. You could handle. <laughs> yeah. We can work out a deal. We work out a deal. So <laughs> not any kind of quid pro quo. No, not, no, nothing like not that. Not one of that. No, no, not one of those. Not that kind of deal. I'm not trying to say I'm like in the in crowd and I'm going to get special favors or anything no. like that. I would never seek those out. I mean, unless it was for a tank. If you, <laughs> if someone offers you a tank, then just take it. I think that's the number one thing that we took right. from this is that anytime you're offered a tank, you just take it. If right. they called me and said, "Hey, do you want a tank?" How yeah. do you say no to tanks? Like no, sir. I'd rather the other police. Like, department well, sorry, get that I don't tank. really have any place yeah. to store it. You yeah. Know? So I guess Can't. I yeah. Like well, it's against my, my HOA. No, it, it comes with a garage. You're good. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I already talked to the HOA president. President, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We just donated a hundred thousand dollars to your HOA. Yeah. <laughs> or everything's good. They're Listen, clear to have it. This has obviously gone off the rails. <laughs> this has gone off the tracks so far. So we have uh, to throw some comedy in. You know? I know. We can't I, all be business. I know. I but know. no, it was a fantastic. On the serious side, it was a very fantastic interview. And, 
you know, the more I dig in, the more I really like her message. And, and if this is the, if this is the direction of the libertarian party, then I am very much impressed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, someone who I didn't know before the first debate, I watched the first debate and had no idea who she was. And she started, um, you know, catching my attention with the way that she was responding to questions and answers. And she's a very, seems very positive. She doesn't have to attack anybody to get her message across. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see if she's able to make any type of debate, which is again, the chance is unlikely. I'm just being a pragmatist here. Yeah. Pragmatist. Pragmatist. Yeah. Sorry. Pragmatist. <laughs> pragmatist here. Um, but my hope is that she does. And then my hope is that we, you know, what if the libertarians get 10% of the vote or 12% or something like that? That'd be great. You know, the, the real Ross hope, Perot this. the real hope to me on the back end is that she brings some more people into the party because yeah, all the people who don't vote, the 40 million independents who don't cast a vote. I did hear her talk about likely voted for Trump. I did hear her talk about that. Uh, you know, although Gary Johnson pulled in 4 million votes, he actually didn't grow the party very much. And that is something that the Libertarian Party needs is for the party to actually grow and and become more serious and a, and a bigger contender over over time. So I don't think that just simply going for those votes, votes with Gary Johnson did a whole lot of good. You know, we've said the whole time that libertarians were fooling themselves if they thought that Gary Johnson's vote total meant that we were moving towards a libertarian country in any kind of way. Those were protest votes uh, against Trump and Clinton at that time. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry they were. And I really hope that someone like her who can really articulate this message is going to bring a lot of people into the party. So I'm pumped about it, guys. I'm excited. I'm excited to put this interview out. So guys, follow Share, subscribe, do all those things, okay? Listen. Do me a favor today. Tell a friend about this podcast. I'm stealing this from uh, old Stapleton. He said this on Friday, I think. Tell a friend about this podcast. There's a lot of listeners, and you guys are the quickest way for us to grow this podcast, honestly. Share something from our Facebook for, you know, a post an Instagram story, retweet something, or just tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, let them know that there is another message out there that is not just simply Republican and Democrat, that there is a message that says we all own ourselves and that we don't need the government to do all of these things. One thing I really liked about her response was that, well, that's not really, you know, part of her response was basically that's not really my job as the president to, to, to do that. You know, that, that would be done on a local level. So I don't really have to have a policy on, on this because that's a local issue and the president shouldn't be involved. And that's a perfect response to that. It's not one that everyone wants to hear, but it, it really is a good response to it. So tell people that there is another message out there, one that says that we all own ourselves and that we don't just simply have to be right or left. There's another, there's another option for, for sure. So anyway, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your communist uncles, we always say. Yeah. Do that. A, 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 a message that allows um, for the freedom of people, a message that says... Black Lives Matter, a message that says taxation is theft. Yeah. A message that says your life matters, your individuality matters, your sovereignty matters, your thoughts, everything that you believe in matters. That's what this message is about. And we've been the message of liberty has been Black Lives Matter for a long time. Well, it's because it's, we're all human beings and right. we all have the same rights. Right. So it's already there. The, the libertarian message is that black lives matter it's that 
sorry, it's that it's that all lives do matter equally, and we don't have to make the distinction. And so, if you're if you're considering, if you're on the fence, thinking about whether or not it's going to be Biden or Trump, listen, there there there's better ways to think about things. Okay, there the, are better ways. There there really are. So the, the live group can't get off the free tanks. Yeah, that's I've, they keep talking about it. I'm going to put in the paperwork for Maurice one. Maurice said that he's going to be the head of his HOA. He's running for HOA president. It looks like, and uh, part of his campaign is everyone gets a tank. Yeah, and the. <laughs> So I like it. And then Sam said that he's going to move to Mauriceville and I may as well. Actually, Maurice, why don't you come back to Nashville and do that? Yeah. And then I'll move into your community. I hope you get elected and, in my HOA. Right. I, I will knock on doors for you yeah. in the community. Yep. I will. I will <laughs> support that campaign. So, guys, as Nate said, if you enjoyed everything, please leave us a rating review and subscribe and share the show. We would appreciate it beyond all measure. Uh, we're seeing the highest numbers we've seen. It looks like podcasting is coming back too. although we didn't really lose any listenerships. I saw a lot of podcasts saying numbers were down and they were losing sponsors and stuff. Um, as you can tell, we don't really do many sponsors or anything like that. So we haven't really lost anything and our listenership keeps going up and we have all of you to thank for that and everybody that's sharing the show and being a part of this movement and the message. And so really hope you guys enjoyed today's interview. Please share the show with a friend. If you guys do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.